I see that people and industrial designers in particular are getting braver in choosing more hardcore softwares like Blender, which has traditionally been a bit more difficult to learn, but also offers you more potential in, in elevating your visuals to new to new higher standards than you, you've been able before. So I, I don't know, I, 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 it seems like the community is really pushing each other to, to really increase the standards and it goes fast, it goes blazingly fast, that's for sure. Welcome to this week's episode of Next Generation Design. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper. This week, we're talking about specialization in design, the software implications that go along with it, and the lightning quick pace at which it's advancing. I'm speaking with Magnus Skogsfjord, founder and CAD visualization specialist at Mirror AS about his thoughts on the industry. Welcome, Magnus. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience and give us a bit of an overview of your professional background? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Magnus. I am uh, from Norway. I have an education in mechanical engineering, actually, in uh, a master's degree. My career path has taken me a bit differently. I know I was a an average student in terms of the science subject at a uni, so I quickly discovered CAD and 3D modeling and that kind of side of things, which kind of became my motivational area, so to speak. So that's where I put my focus. And at the end of the day, that's what kind of carried me through the entire university time, to be quite honest, the doing 3D. And then, you know, that built on to rendering and 3D rendering, visualization, that kind of part, little niche part, which was even became even closer to my heart. And over the years with, uh, you know, polishing that passion for 3D modeling and rendering, that's become kind of my bread and butter, uh, which I've been doing now as a freelance artist for the last three years. As uh, so I started uh, an agency three years ago called Midwood Design and Engineering. Not much engineering to be done, actually. I was thinking of rebranding it more to just being a studio. But yeah, doing mostly still rendering animations, more kind of one-offs, not so much uh, big production stuff, but more artisanal, you know, one-off animations and stills. That's where I am today, working with brands such as uh, Finnish Musician. I also have one, actually, one client that I work with in the engineering stuff, which is uh, Lardal Medical, uh, where I do advanced surfacing in, in NX. I also have clients like uh, Bang & Olufsen and Cisco, for example, to mention some of the more familiar brands. Would you say that your company, Mirror Design, is focused on a few particular industries? Or are you open to working with any industry? Yeah, well, to be quite fair, uh, my company is me, myself and me. So, you know, it's only kind of a freelance. I, I started it as a, as a hope that might get some more on the team. But as I moved to France, things became a bit different, uh, difficult as I don't speak the language very well yet. My background in mechanical engineering and, and I have some subjects revolving uh, product design and industrial design has made me focus primarily on products within a certain size area. So I haven't done anything bigger than cars really on my own kind of personal time. Professionally, my, I, I tend to work with consumer electronics and, and smaller products in terms of segment. I don't really have huge constrictions other than the size of the object as I've, I've focused more on items that could fit within an interior space and stuff like that. 
What specific trends are you seeing in terms of mechanical design and product visualization? I do see in terms of, you know, being that you're, we're increasingly a globalized society and, and in the industrial design, we are a weirdly small, kind of a small community. So, you know, you when you're a bit uh, active on Instagram and the channels like that, you kind of see the same names reappearing in the, in the top <laughs> segments. And as far as trends when it comes to product design itself, I, I have a hard time grasping what could be the coming trends. I see that the last few years, there's been a kind of rebooting of the D to RAMS principles, you know, form follows function, stuff like that has been kind of increasing and the simplification, the minimalism of, of things which is to me both good and, and bad personally. In terms of software, where it's kind of closer to my heart, I, can, I see that there's a, an increasing specialization in software. I, know, I mean, I've been in the line of business now for 10 years, and one of my biggest challenges is actually figuring out what software to choose to, to learn because there's development and the evolution of the software goes so rapidly, so it's so tough to just hang on and figure out what where to put your focus you know for a long time there was for industrial designers in my line of work software wise keyshot was kind of a key winner in that sense that it was quick to get started get good visualization results quickly whereas i don't have any hard data to back this up i'm kind of starting to see a trend where people are sort of back in a little bit out of it reasons being a bit unknown but there might be yeah I'll have my theories which we can dive into later if that's interesting but I, I see that people and industrial designers in particular are getting braver in choosing more hardcore softwares like Blender which has traditionally been a bit more difficult to learn but also offers you more potential in in elevating your visuals to new to new higher standards than you you've been able before so I, I don't know, I, 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 it seems like the community is really pushing each other to, to really increase the standards and it goes fast, it goes blazingly fast, that's for sure. Let's go back to the point that you mentioned about increased specialization. What changes are you seeing in this area? I usually draw an analogy back to seeing my father. He always he's of the old school type. He wants to do things self. And you know, seventy. I don't know. I'm, I'm shooting from the hip there. But sixty, seventy years ago, you could potentially build your own house. Like my grandfather built our cabin, still stand today. Big, high quality. No problem with that. And my dad, you know, my mom is keeps nagging him about you know refurbishing the bathroom and stuff like that. And he's kind of the old school guy that wants to do it himself and you know theoretically he can and he's certainly capable but at the end of the day you're left with something that's undocumented of being able to do it and for resale value and such that you don't have an undocumented refurbished bathroom in that sense part of the reason being that the specializations in each room has got taken the technology to an extent where you need specialized people to really elevate your results to a how do you, how how would you say it to a result which is documentable or has a high enough quality because you need a, a specialized competence to do that are you seeing a similar trend take hold regarding specialization in software i see some of the same signals in in software too where you have all of these specialized software popping up and each end you have specialized software for fluid uh, simulation, which has been a long, around for a long time, obviously. 
you have specialized for cloth simulation, which I use. You have so many even smoke simulation and fire simulation, or I talk a lot about simulations now, but that's because I've tabbed about that. And you see a lot of these small softwares popping up everywhere, and they do a very, very narrow thing really good. At the end of the day, I, I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable actually taking on a fluid simulation task, for example, because I know, I, I mean, I could do it, but I would also be with a disclaimer that I won't be able to reach the level that you might <laughs> look for. It just requires specialists to really pull that off that's, you know, familiar with fluid dynamics and, and you know, have that really baked within. And I, I remember briefly fluid dynamics from, from university, and that's not something I'd love to dive into, to be quite honest. But uh, yeah, you see that more and more. And I think it's going to take an increasing amount of teamwork to kind of pull off those high-end visualizations. You know, you need to have kind of specialists in each and corner. You kind of, even if you have big companies, you even might consider having specialists that have specialists in lighting techniques or texturing or just simple modeling all these kind of smaller segments that become increasingly specialized due to the amount of stuff you can do and the amount of stuff you have to, you know, get familiar with to, to perform properly on a high level. It, it could be worrying, but it could also be an opportunity to actually become specialized in a particular segment, which is difficult maybe when you're by yourself. But uh, yeah, I, I think we'll see an increasing part of that. One example being the last job I've been into now has been Cisco, where they've traditionally, you know, uh, done the marketing visualization. The industrial designers have done the marketing visuals. But again, with increasing specialization to reach that next level, it doesn't really make sense anymore to use the industrial designers for that because they have so much on their plate already. So it makes sense to hire someone who specializes in visualization to take care of that part of the workflow uh, instead of, you know, t hogging the time of an industrial designer who might have spend their valuable time in doing more production preparation or CMF or work or whatever. I suspect that that will become an increasing opportunity, maybe you can call it, not necessarily a problem. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the key challenges are from the customers or the clients that you're working with and how some of this technology is addressing some of those challenges? I think in my line of business, and I'm not sure if this is being addressed yet, I hope it will, but one of the biggest challenges I'm encountering is color matching because colors are both scientific and uh, personal. And whether or not this is being taken care of, I know there are some things in queue that are, are coming, like in rendering, you have a new color space called ACES CG, which I barely started looking at, but it's a complex topic. So I'm, I'm not comfortable talking about it more than I know it's coming some sort of new color space for, for digital viewing. But again, that, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges is actually color matching and you have 10 people in a team, they all have their own monitors that shows a slightly different color variation and you have samples and you have lighting conditions. It's just immensely <laughs> a complex topic to do. I know that might not be the answer you're looking for, but at the end of the day, that's something uh, it's maybe I can get something back from this podcast too. someone reaching out to me and say, hey, this is something you better take a look at for color matching. But yeah, it's one of the bigger challenges I'm seeing today. 
You mentioned the increasing trend to use these types of tools as marketing tools. Can you expand on that a bit? Yeah, obviously. Uh, well, they still do. They you do that already. I mean, uh, especially now with COVID, which uh, I'm sorry to say has been a little bit of a blessing to me as the product photography has gotten a little bit of a blow, whereas traditionally uh, conservative companies start to look at alternatives to product photography since you know on-site photography is becoming increasingly difficult to to do so they look at cgi or or visualization uh, 3d visualization as a potential alternative to product photography and the visualization tools has now matured to such a level and even uh, a lot of the individuals freelancers and 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 competence has also increased to such a level where this is now the utmost reality of the situation that it can be replaced with CGI and both animations and product stills. Just look at IKEA. They snuck in, I think it was 2007, they snuck in their first CGI chair, their simplest chair in their catalog just as a test to see if anyone noticed and no one noticed so that by now I think there's like 80% of their or maybe even all of the catalog is now CGI and hardly anyone ever notices that and the advantages of using 3D are so big like you don't have to build prototypes you don't have to set up scenes location physical locations colors can be changed quickly you can change furniture in scenes you know it's has a lot of these advantages that you simply don't get from from building physical prototypes or or having the actual products to do. So yeah, it's definitely most definitely something that we see is being used a lot in 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 marketing today. Turning to the future, say three to five years out, where do you think this kind of technology may be taking us with regards to CAD and mechanical design? I just want to talk a little bit more and pointing back to the, I was an episode a couple episodes ago, there was a visualization expert who talked about real-time visualization. And I think in three to five years, I think we're going to see a lot of that because that's maturing at a rapid rate. I think... Uh, within five years time that would be the new standard in in product visualization you know the technology taking from the gaming community enabling us to do real-time visualization of object instead of waiting an hour or two per frame now that you can do everything in real time which is super very exciting i think that will come rapidly i also think and this is just a suspicion because i i haven't really made up my mind but i think uh, due to time restrictions and increasing, I mean, these days I have a hard time figuring out because I use Blender the mostly these days. I use NX uh, a little, and then I use Blender as kind of my main gathering of all elements that I'm supposed to do. That's a software for modeling polygons and and rendering. And Blender is kind of, in a way. This is a long stretch, but bear with me. Blender is kind of the polygon world's equivalent to the CAD world's NX. You know, you have a software that can do anything. You can do soft body simulations. You can do smoke simulations. You can model. You can texture. You can UV and blah, blah, and so on and so forth. You can do that same as with NX. You can do modeling. You can do uh, engineering, sheet metal bending work with polygons, whatever. It's just such an immense universe of tools in the same software. 
And whereas with Blender, whereas it has all the tools available, sometimes I go out and use one of the specialized tools, even though the tool is available in Blender, I go out and use a specialized tool simply because they do the job better. That's not always the case because when I'm at hard time pressed, I like to stay within Blender for all my operations because it's a time saver to iterate faster within the same software. So it's definitely a huge plus to be able to stay within the same software in terms of saving time and not having to juggle formats and going in and out of different software. So I prefer staying within the same software, but sometimes I just want to up the level and use the specialized software. Do you have any specific predictions for the future of that specialized software? I think we'll see an increasing will or desire to stay within one software. At least that's what I feel with myself, that I want to stay within as few software as possible in my workflow, just to being able to iterate faster. So I think we'll see an increased appreciation of that, of being able to not you know, break the link. And that's where NX, and that's been talked up and down in this podcast, I, I realize. And NX is a amazing software in the sense that you can have the, you know, the master model approach and, you know, you have all of these disciplines that can be hooked onto the same workflow within the same software and keeping everything lined up uh, and working on parallel on the same kind of truth, so to speak, not having duplicates and not having dead models and all that. So I, I, I believe that this will be an increasing value to it. At the other hand, why I don't disagree with myself there is that also, especially in the marketing side, that there's an increased desire for having the jaw-dropping stuff. So maybe sometimes you actually need to go outside the software to you know, elevate those visuals through more specialized software where you break the link. But it's going to be interesting to see how the big softwares manage to specialize their little side you know, application, in, internal applications. You touched on the master model, and as we like to call it, the digital twin, really, within the CAD software tools. But you're also touching on another major theme in regards to flexibility, right? What would you say are the features that you like most about NX? Well, I am a little biased. I am a CAD. I, I started out in a uni like wanting to learn everything. I quickly realized I'm unable. <laughs> but I thought at least I'll master NX, and that's a huge undertaking. So I stuck with CAD. And now with the Laudal Medical for the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of reverse engineering, advanced surfacing, and, and working with Convergent. And for me, Convergent is a really exciting topic to me. And I, I'm really excited to see how that matures because being able, as particularly for Laudal Medical, working with a lot of anatomical models, being able to take in, instead of scanning physical models to refine you can now use digital sculptors instead and take in you know almost clean meshes from digital sculpting tools and refine them in an engineering context and a maturing rate of that has been very very exciting so that's one of the topics that excites me about nx most i think is conversion modeling and and being able to refine that have you seen any increase in any types of additive manufacturing with any of your clients and customers that you work with yeah, the same company there is currently doing a lot of R&D on that topic, doing uh, checking if, if that could be the kind of next in small volume uh, productions, which they do. So I, I, that's something that's being tested on. But uh, of course, in a big company like that, it 
takes slow to implement new workflows and you have tool shops that use a different cam manufacturing software and stuff like that. So it's a lot of lobbyism and political work to really get things instated. But they, they have a lot of promising results and testing based on, on conversion modeling. And with the recent features I was involved in half a year ago, I think they were testing the possibility of directly manufacturing polygon models or mixed geometry, as I think you, you guys have chosen to call it, which is a mix between polygons and, and CAD parametric data. And this is something that's really uh, on a highly nerdy level, which I am. So uh, it's very interesting to see see how that develops. The COVID-19 pandemic has obviously forced major changes in almost every industry today. How are you seeing those changes manifest in your industry in particular? Luckily for me, being a freelancer and having in my home office, I see that it's going to be an increasing uh, validation of having home office. And I think we're going to embrace being home more often. I think you're going to have more acceptance of being home. Because I think a lot of leaders, I hope, or I know a few, but I hope the, a lot of leaders have realized that, you know, it's when you have a good working staff, being able to work home is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, those who wants to come to work, they come to work anyway. And maybe a few of the introverts like myself, I'm or the latest expression now, which is trendy, is called ambivert, which is kind of a mix between extra and introvert. But either way, you know, my ideal work week would be one or two days at an office and the rest at home working. And I think a lot of people has it like that, you know, just to get a little social input, but then you don't do the majority of work at home. By doing that, I think that will have an increasing boom in products that will lay the foundation for a home product. And, you know, home products will have a different requirement as into, you know, aesthetics and usability plug and play compared to, you know, professional products where you might have staff that can put up whatever equipment you use for collaboration, online collaboration. It will, we will see more of companies that lay the foundation for home products, particularly designed to collaborate more efficiently online, as I think is where my, the essence of where I'm getting at. And I think we'll see more, more of those products moving forward. Where do you see challenges currently in your work? And what technologies do you think would help the most? I guess my biggest caveat in my line of work is that I use NX a lot as a CAD preparatory tool. And I need to go from CAD to polygons, which is always a pain because you would think that geometry is geometry. But ironically enough, that's not the case. So it's not as painful to go from CAD to polygons as it is to go from polygons to CAD. But at the same time, it is always a bit of a pain to prepare and, and do that translation of geometry. And I think that's the more time-consuming part, particularly also because I break the digital twin link, so to speak. So, you know, it's this exporting to neutral format, translating to polygons, and then started refining it in, in context of the polygon modeling software. So I, I guess that's one of the bigger challenges I'm facing from the day-to-day -day is spending time doing that conversion it's really happy in terms of NX, which has OBJ exporter. I, I do have some requests I hope will be implemented there in terms of that. But, you know, there are some tools set there that makes that job a little bit easier. And there's some 
remeasure tools even for conversions, which is simply uh, fantastic, which I, I I don't currently have the license, but I hope I could could get that one <laughs> over time. But yeah, there are, are some um, tools there that have some potential, which are, in my opinion, not quite yet matured, but uh, they're, they're seemingly it, it's happening something every time I do an update. So that's one of the biggest pains still is that conversion. Magnus, if some of the listeners wanted to get in touch with you through social media, what platforms are you currently using? Where can our audiences get in touch with you and learn a little bit more about some of the work that you're doing? Oh, absolutely. I'm on Instagram, uh, Magnus Cooksfjord, which is going to be difficult to interpret over the podcast for foreign listeners, uh, but also uh, mirror.no, that's with one R, M-I-R-O-R.no, that has a lot of my portfolio stuff. I guess that's the two more important stuff. And I also look me up on LinkedIn on Magnus Coxfjord. Uh, you can reach out to any of those to get in touch with me if, if you're if interested. What a unique perspective on the challenges and changes facing specialization in digital design. Big thanks to Magnus for joining me today. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to today's episode. Join us next time for more discussions about the latest in design innovation and software applications. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper, and this has been Next Generation Design.